There's the kick. It is up. It is no good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Well, 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 here we are again, all gathered up for another installment of NFL Friday. I am Jack Warner. I'm joined alongside by Matt Benson on my right, Caleb Stein on my left. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, we're back in here to talk about how miserable football is in the tri-state right now. Um, and, yeah, I just thought I'd get the hard part out of the way because that's get, – get ready because it's second verse, same as the first. I think we've had too many episodes where this has had to be the topic of conversation. But hate to break it to you, that's how it's going to be. But before we get into that, I know it's kind of a negative start, but it's the truth. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Hopefully more positive than, than football in the tri-state right now. Doing all right. You know, I'm stoked to be uh, making my NFL Friday debut, really getting into it this year. And it's not the best year to be a Patriots fan, so I can empathize with that New York Giants, that New York Jets feeling of disappointment. I get that. I feel that. Not in the same way because I'm not a fan of you guys, but I'm I'm there with you in a a kind of nuanced way and more than stoked to be on air with Benson and Warner. Yeah, for sure. Same with me. And, you know, for me as an Eagles fan... (laughs) It's been it's, it's been delightful. much better, yeah. yeah. So I get to sit here from top of the NFC East and just enjoying <laughs> myself. So this episode will be fun, though. It's great to great to be with both of you guys. My season debut of the twenty twenty three season. Damn, so it should be a great time. Pair of debuts for my crew today. I absolutely oh, yeah. love this. Well, let me get things started with the number twelve. Now you may wonder why I'm using the number twelve. It has nothing to do with the amount of months in a calendar year. Not because it's the number after eleven not referencing the jersey number of the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I'm using the number 12 because that is the amount of points that the offenses of both the New York Giants and the New York Jets combined for this past weekend. Six points each in their respective curb stomping of losses. We're going to start, we'll go chronologically, Sunday, the Giants hit the road and played the Las Vegas Raiders, and they fell by a score of 30-6. to You had Antonio Pierce getting his first win as the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. In fact, they were actually smoking victory cigars in the locker room after the game and had to set the record straight that they weren't celebrating the win. They are a 4-5 and five team, but just because it's a flip in the page, they're, they're past the McDaniels era and they are moving forward and hopefully have a brighter future ahead of them. But we have to talk about how Offense is practically non-existent. You're on your third-string quarterback in Tommy DeVito, who did go 15 of 20 for 175 yards, a touchdown, two picks. So, again, six points on the board, not a great showing. Like, 
I don't really know what there is to say. I feel like this has just been a reoccurring theme that we've had to talk about every week for the Giants. If you have a blowout loss like this, it has to be to a good team. That's not really the case here. If you have a blowout loss like this, and it's to a mediocre at best team, like the Raiders, then your quarterback, your, your opposing quarterback, better have had a career day. Aiden O'Connell did not have a career day. 209 yards, that's a fine stat line, but to put up 30 points when you only put up six, there's just so much wrong with that. There's so many layers of what's wrong with that. I'm not blaming the fact that it's a, th- a third-string quarterback. That's only half the game. That does, Quarterback has nothing to do with 30 points allowed to the, by to the, Raiders. the Raiders. 30 points to a full Chiefs team, fine. Full Bills, fine. Full Dolphins, fine. Raiders? And I think what's also like doubly frustrating about this game in particular is that up until this point, it was mostly a pretty uneventful offensive showing that was sort of the backbreaker for the Giants. You actually had multiple games over the past few weeks where good defensive showings for the you know the majority of the game were wasted because again they simply cannot score in a regulation football game. Yeah, the Giants' defense heading into this game was looking pretty solid, especially on the defensive line. But Josh Jacobs running all over the field with two touchdowns and ninety-eight rushing yards, and then. Probably, I think the team had about 125 total rushing yards in the game. Like, that just can't happen for the Giants when they're already having offensive struggles. If their defense is struggling on top of that, what what's the direction of the team looking like right now? It's just, it, it gets harder the further that you get in the season with the New York Giants because with each, with each weekend that passes, each disappointing weekend that passes, I find it harder and harder to find who to point a finger at. Because obviously... There's skeptics. It's professional sports. There's always skeptics and critics. You're going to hear in this offseason or even as we get to the end of this regular season, people who wonder if, you know, Dable's employment is in question, his job is in question. You'll have people who are strong, you know, supporters of him saying you can't fire him after one year like this. And you're going to have people saying, what that what the hell did we just watch this season? You're going to have other people who are going to say, well, is it time to move on from Daniel Jones? Has he produced enough in the time that he has been healthy? Because you saw you know, flashes early in the season where you know, Daniel Jones was making non-Daniel Jones-like mistakes, even, even with the atrocious offensive line that he had that was supposed to protect him while he was still playing. Um, but now he's gone for the season. Tyrod goes down because you know, Tyrod had his critics in his few short games. Um, and now you got Tommy DeVito, who was an undrafted free agent, who's now playing for the Giants and now has to salvage the remainder of this season. It just feels like with each with each week that passes for this Giants team, there's just a new layer to this effed up onion that is the New York Giants team this year. And I don't know what what is to remedy this team. I don't I don't know. As soon as a new layer is revealed. Blame switches from Dable to the offense to the defense, and then it's open to everyone. And I think if you just look at the pieces that the Giants have, I think it's one thing to squander. It's one thing to abuse, one thing to exploit, to to misuse. It's another thing to not have. And it's another thing to be forced to not have. 
the Giants are forced to not have Daniel Jones. They're not abusing Daniel Jones. Now, did Daniel Jones make the mistakes himself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. The injury's not on him. It's not on anyone. But then you realize, well, why are we relying on Daniel Jones to stay healthy? It's not like the Giants had a promising season pre-Jones injury. They didn't. Do they have less of a promise or a, or a more dire situation now that Jones is injured? Yes, they do. But I don't think it's on anyone in particular. I think it's just across the board. The talent's not there. The roster strength isn't there. The consistency isn't there. And it's not really supposed to be. But I don't even understand how you make, like, obviously they're going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to suit up and play these final games of the season. But truthfully, like, I don't understand how you win a game the rest of the year. Like, I know that, this sounds, I know that this sounds very harsh and very exaggerated, but... I think back to a few weeks ago when I watched the Commanders game. Not the Commanders game, I'm sorry. The game against uh, the New York Jets, I'm sorry. Arguably the, 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 the dumbest football game I think I've ever watched in my, my short 20 years on this planet. Um, and I just thought back to how it seemed like for a... As soon as, as Tyrod goes down, it's, it felt like for a vast majority of DeVito's time on the field... There was no belief in him. It, it almost seemed like they themselves knew that they don't have the skill, that they don't have the depth in their roster to carry themselves to win a football game. Yeah, and they, in all honesty, they just do not. And I think that's what's so tough about this team right now is that there are so many— you, you mentioned like the layers of the onion, right? There are so many layers that have been peeled off. There's what hole do you— like? What layer do you try and fix in the offseason? Because there's the quarterback issue. There's the offensive line injuries issue. There's now some defensive issues. There's the head coach questions. Like, what what do you try and pinpoint in the offseason? That, that's what makes it so difficult with how this team is looking right now. Because all across the board throughout the entire depth chart, there are issues. I want to say it was during—no, you're completely right. I want to say it was during that, that, Jets, that Jets game I was just talking about. I want to say there was a stat they ran— they ran run plays on like 28 consecutive snaps. It was something absurd like that. There, it feels like at this point they're just throwing in the towel. And I understand. And 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 truthfully, maybe it's not throwing in the towel. Maybe it really is like this is all they have and this is all that they can work with. But you even have like this was Saquon Barkley after the loss of the Raiders. He says, "Definitely sucks, but got to be a pro about it. Can't make no excuses. Still got a long season ahead of us, obviously." I'm not happy that we're two and seven with everything that's going on right now. Get on a flight, rest up, get ready for next week. I'm I'm not expecting him to get in front of the media and and say my team sucks. Like that's trust me, I'm not asking him to do that. That's not realistic. Um, you still even if it's even if you have to fake it till you make it. I understand that you have to be somewhat uplifting and and just assure the fans that you're still going to keep trying this year. But again, I I don't know what the Giants have given through the first nine weeks of the season and the two wins that they're lucky to have that gives any sort of indication that there is a a semblance of good football to be watched for the rest of the season. There isn't. And I think the hard thing is is that being honest and working with the pieces that they have is throwing in the towel. Like Those aren't two separate things. I feel like with, the, with the roster that they have and the talent they have and the cards that they've been dealt – it's the same thing. If they're going to play the rest of the season, which they literally have to, 
they're not going to play very well. They're not going to be very motivated, but they have to do it and they have to just kind of get through it. Like I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel for this Giants team until the season's over. And then that's when we start talking about acquisitions, trade deadlines, everything like that, the pieces that can be changed. But the pieces don't have promise right now. But I like I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that I'm pro tank even though I know teams do it. We all know that teams do it. But it's like, from what you see of this Giants team, and I think this actually works as a good bridge into what I, I want to talk about next with the Giants because of Daniel Jones being done for the year and Tyrod Taylor being hurt and DeVito, more power to him. God bless him for getting out there and trying is not the answer. Um, I'm not going to go out and bluntly say that I'm pro-tanking, but do they need that first pick? Do they need that first, second, or third pick? Because you talk, we're talking about all that's missing from this Giants team and that there's nowhere near the talent nor the depth nor any sort of firepower that's necessary to be a legitimate contender in, in their own division, let alone the entirety of the league. How I feel like they've now put themselves in a position where a, a tank is inevitable because I feel like you you need to ensure if you're if you're in this sort of territory with with your record, you need to get the best. You need to be able to have the liberty to to choose whoever the hell you want to fill at least one of these several holes during the off season. I'm I'm pro tanking them. Oh yeah, Sam. What benefit What benefit do they have to try and win games throughout the rest of the year? Like. The difference between the first and getting the fourth or fifth pick is huge, especially with this draft class right now. Like, that's the difference between Caleb Williams and a receiver and offensive lineman. Like, that's absolutely huge. Now, that does pose the question, however. If we look forward to next year's draft, I know that's well into the future, but if we're looking forward into next year's draft and you are in the front office of the New York Giants, from what You've I, like I know we said that the problems are widespread, the issues are widespread this year. Do you draft a quarterback? Because I I think the I think the simplest answer is yes. I I'm open to having my mind changed. You know, Daniel Jones. I'm not saying that as a we need to immediately replace Daniel Jones type of thing. I'm not at all asserting that. I'm actually I, I feel terrible for Daniel Jones because I think he would be helping this team. I I don't I won't say that they would be a great team if he was still healthy, but I think he'd at least make things a little better. Um, but is drafting is drafting a quarterback necessary right now as you look at the Giants? I would say yeah, I would say yeah, and and Caleb Williams is going to be that guy if if they're in the position, and that moves the team from. Well, I I think like a top draft pick is bigger than the sum of its parts, right? There's a snowball effect there. Top draft pick gets, you know, other people who might want to go with Caleb Williams to, to him. You know, that, that that kind of motivates that entire draft class and puts the Giants on that draft class's radar. Mm. And that's huge. And so I think to, to start with whoever the, the most sort of publicly prolific player from the 24 class is going to be, which it's going to be Caleb Williams. It's also going to be the best kind of practical piece because the QB influences obviously all of all of the offense. So I think, yeah, I think I think the Giants, they need to draft a QB. I think that'll pay dividends more than just what it literally does with the drafting. And that'll put them in a, a definitely better position. 
Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned like the whole snowball effect that happens when you draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick. Like, the, it puts pressure on the front office to put other guys out there to help out the quarterback, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's like think about the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence in his in between his first and his second year. Obviously, their team wasn't very good, but then they absolutely stacked up their offensive line. They gave him receivers, and look at how he's done now. What is this year three for him? And now they're, I believe, number one in their division. Like I think for the Giants, they need to get him at the number all number one overall pick and start the whole tank process. Whether it's not this off season and getting the receivers and getting the offensive line that he needs, but it's going to be a two year process of just a retool for them. Because I also I I completely agree with both of you, and I think that a quarterback is the most pressing move for them to make in terms of future um, roster decisions and draft decisions. I'm not even I, I I think if they were to get the top pick, Caleb Williams would be that guy, right? I think that's a pretty safe assessment. But the problem is like they're in a position where I don't even like their problem their predicament right now is so bad that I don't even think like Caleb Williams is the be all end all. Like if you can't even get Caleb Williams, if you're not a first if you're if you don't get the first overall pick, which I believe he will be the first overall pick. I'll take Drake May. I'll take I'll take I'll take Bo Nix. I'll even, if God forbid he went into the draft, I'd take Shadur Sanders at this point. Like, I, I, they need another quarterback. They need another elite quarterback. Tyrod Taylor did his job for, or somewhat did his job for the time being that he was healthy. You know, like I said, Tommy DeVito, God bless the kid. He went out there and tried. That's not getting the job done either. And you don't, if you're the Giants right now, you don't have safety at any level quarterback wise because even your starter Daniel Jones has had health issues since he's entered the league this is now his first like serious injury he's missed games in the past because of neck injuries and also when he was healthy this year he wasn't that goddamn effective he really wasn't he had one incredible half of football against the Arizona Cardinals where they did that, sec- they staged that second half comeback and ended up winning one of their only two wins this year so far. Yes, he was great then. In the grand scheme of things, he has been an ineffective quarterback, and I understand that there have been factors that have also contributed to that. His O line has been impressively, inspiringly awful this year, and he's had little time to throw, little protection. I think part of the reason he's as banged up as he is. Not the actual injury itself, but some of why he's a little as banged up as he is because of that lack of protection. But there's still opportunities for growth for Daniel Jones that could have been taken on his part. There are still mistakes that he was making where you know he's he's making premature decisions with the ball before he's thrown because he thinks the pocket's, pocket is collapsing and it's not. He's used to getting hit. Now that's partially not his fault, but it is the job of a professional quarterback, an elite quarterback, to understand that and fix it and we didn't see that I understand he didn't get a ton of time once we started noticing that to fix that but it, it was an issue it was an it was an issue nevertheless oh yeah but I think a big thing is that like you mentioned him making mistakes on top of the the whole offensive line issue but he's been sacked 179 times in his career oh yeah and that's in what a five-year career that's like, insane so there's that and there's also the mental of Oh, am I gonna get sacked right now? Even if he, even if he has the time. Right. So I think that compounding issue is part of why he's had those inconsistencies. If mm-hmm. you give him a mediocre offensive line, I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. But mm-hmm. I think 
I don't think his like him as the quarterback is the problem with the team. I think he could be an okay quarterback in the league, but the problem is that he's just not supported any like by the Giants over the past five years of his career. And as much as they try and draft guys, they try and get they try to get Neil. What was it seventh overall? He busts every every other offensive lineman they get gets hurt. But I think that's ultimately the problem, and that's I do have some concern with drafting a quarterback for the Giants with the first pick because I feel like they're deeper issues than just the quarterback itself but I do believe that Caleb Williams or May or whoever it may be as the quarterback that they draft I feel like that just like I mentioned earlier just forces the Giants front office to make the move for the quarterback because they don't want to make the same mistake that they made with Daniel Jones drafting him second overall and not supporting him it's more of a security move when you think about it because again the more like I just went on a I just went on a heavy critique of Daniel Jones I still enjoy Daniel Jones I actually like him a lot as a quarterback and I wish I wish he was having a better year and I wish he had a better O-line to support him because I think he's a really really talented quarterback I think the reason you need to draft a quarterback in the draft on top of what you just mentioned because I do think you guys are completely hitting the nail on the head about that applying that front office press front office pressure is again that you know there's been injuries for your first string and second string some growing pains for your first string quarterback, lack of ability, lack of general playmaking ability for your backup quarterback and your third string quarterback. So I think as just a general security thing, being able to bring someone in who's better than your backups can back up your starter or maybe in a certain scenario be better than your starter. You never know. But I do agree with you that there are, it is a slippery slope. It has the potential to be a slippery slope when drafting a quarterback. But I, I just feel that's a position. It's the most important position on the field, and I feel like they have the least security in that position of just about any team in the NFL right now. I would agree. And I think it's, what's interesting is that it's definitely QB1, O-line second. And the pro, the, the difference between, obviously, the, the, the QB position and the O-line position is that the QB's one of one, the O-line's one of six, seven. How many players on the line? Five, five, five. five. <laughs> so that I mean, that's a completely different thing. And obviously, the whole publicity issue is that if you draft the best lineman, that obviously is way less sort of profitable as far as your publicity than a QB. And that I think that's I think that's generally the case. Yeah, it's not a pretty position. It's not a pretty right. position. It's not a sexy position. And. I think that pays less dividends than what it actually is, what it what it literally means. I hate jumping all over the place, but I also feel like one thing that could detract from drafting a quarterback if they were to get that first pick would be the fact that like you, you see a lot of quarterback busts. You see a lot. And you also there's a there's an astounding amount of successful quarterbacks who are not, you know, Number one overall picks. Number one overall picks or even within the top, within the first round or within the first ten picks. So, I don't know. It's it's a dumpster. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. it's a dumpster fire for the New York Giants right now. God bless their, God bless their, their souls. I hope, I hope they can, uh, they can salvage the remainder of this year, although it's, it's going to be tough, especially with a, a date this Sunday at 425 PM with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> in Dallas. So that should be a uh, that should be a that should be a fun game to watch. Just just oh, yeah, that'll be that'll, that'll be pretty. That'll be some great television. Yeah. But the problem is, you know what, Giants fans, 
take a breath of fresh air because we're now about to go to your crosstown rival who honestly the storyline is not any better for them because the other New York team to put up only six points this week this weekend was the New York Jets as they hosted the Los Angeles Chargers Monday night and suffered a beatdown by a score of 27 to 6. Now, this one, we were talking about how the finger pointing is kind of difficult over in the Giants side of things. But with New York, I find the finger pointing, I mean, in New York, the Jets, I find the finger pointing to be a lot more easy to do. Because I think it's straight up at the offense. I think it's Zach Wilson. I think it's the offense. Because this was finally a game where a high-performing defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL all year, actually, finally had an off night. I think finally had a night where they weren't like themselves. And they didn't have an offense to back them up. That is that is the testament of a good team in any sport. No matter what the sport is, that when there's a offense defense you know set up if one side of the ball isn't having you know the best night that they could have the best teams will be able to pick them up in every other facet of the game and try to try to bridge the gap the other night I'm a, I'm a big hockey fan the other night Rangers took a three nothing lead over the wild wild you know goaltending bad goaltending night for the wild wild come back and win five to four they're able to pick up their guy this New York Jets defense has been busting their ass all season and has made some of the most elite quarterbacks in the league look quite average. They, Josh Allen had arguably his worst game of the season, opening night against the Jets. Pat Mahomes had his first game of his career where his stat comparison to the other starting quarterback wasn't better in every statistic. There's been several, several high points of this Jets defense this season, and once they have a bad showing, a night where they're not like themselves, they don't have a competent offense to back them up. And I think that's where you point the finger. And I don't even know if you can really say that the Jets defense, even though the Chargers scored 27 points, you can't even really point the Jets defense as saying they did that bad of a game because of how bad the offense was for the Jets right? to not set them up, where Zach Wilson has two fumbles in the game, Garrett Wilson fumbles near the 50-yard line, and they let up a putt return touchdown. Like, the defense... Sure, the Chargers scored 27 points, but you can't even say the defense had a bad game in itself when every time it feels like the Chargers have the ball with only 40 to 50 yards to go for a touchdown. Right, and that's a great point. Look at this Justin Herbert stat line. 16 of 30 for 136 yards, averaging 4.5 yards of completion. He didn't even throw for a touchdown. Because he didn't even need to move down the field. Right. So I think that even further hits home the point. Honestly, you 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 kind of corrected me on that. I, I completely agree with you. When you look at the scoreboard, it seems like the defense didn't have the greatest night. But honestly, the Jets didn't even have they didn't have their best night. But you can't even say they had a bad night, and they still can't get thrown a bone from their incompetent offense. I also think it's another thing to add that the Chargers' offensive weapons are more in rushing than receiving. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a very fair thing to say when you have Eckler, Josh Kelly, right, and that is something that the Jets didn't adapt to mm-hmm. because they haven't been they haven't been used to that. You know, they they did it with the Bills where obviously the receiving offense is, is a step above the Bills rushing offense. Right. And the Jets have this kind of weird inconsistency with the defense where if they have to adapt, the defense doesn't adapt very well and sure as hell the offense doesn't adapt. 
And there's just a complete mismatch where there's the sparks are there, but it doesn't all fall in a row. And when one aspect of one side of the ball does well, all other aspects are not guaranteed to even do okay. And that's the problem with the Jets team this year. And I think the other thing that's very annoying when you just read when you just read New York Jets box scores, the other thing that's really annoying when you just kind of take a quick peek at what happened in the game. Listen to some of these listen to some of these stats. Garrett Wilson, 70 uh, 70 sorry, 7 catches for 80 yards. It's a good night. I'd love to have him on my fantasy team for that night. That's a great night. I I have him on my fantasy team. Right. Tyler Conklin, 6 6 catches, 66 yards. Xavier Gibson, 2 catches for 32 yards. Zach Wilson threw for 263 yards. He was 33 of 49. That's not even a bad night in terms of completion percentage. So you see something goes wrong at the worst time for the Jets. There's something uh, there it has to come down to discipline. It has to come down to something where they can't finish. Because you look at these stats and you're like, "Okay, they're moving the ball down the field. Zach Wilson's completing passes." It might be ugly. He might turn the ball over a few times in the process. But you're seeing 263 yards through the air, a weaker night than usual on the ground, 64 yards total. Brees Hall led the charge with 50 yards on the ground. So it's like, where? what's not clicking? How much of this has to do with Hackett and how much of this has to do with the players on the field? It's a great question. I'm leaning... <laughs> I I am... Always player player over coach as far as responsibility, as far as blame. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones on the field. I think with this, I'm leaning Hackett because you have talented players who know how to play football. Garrett Wilson knows how to play football. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook know how to play football. And Hackett did a, a terrible job with the Broncos. He was He was called out for that. And... I know it's only his first year, but do they do they give him the sack at the end of this year? What's the what's the deal with that? I don't know because again he entered because that was the whole thing. He enters the he enters the season with this chip on his shoulder because Sean Payton was talking smack about him, and he was definitely someone I wanted to root for. It was definitely nice seeing them beat the Broncos. It was nice seeing that happen to to kind of stick it to kind of stick it to Sean Payton, who is I'll I'll. I'll say things I shouldn't say on air if I keep going about Sean Payton. So that that I'll just put to the side. But again, I don't know because you're seeing. You're, I think we're being. I say we. I think the Jets are being blatantly let down at the quarterback position and at the OC position. I don't know who's worse. I don't know if one is enabling the other. But it's definitely a topic of debate right now. Yeah, it's a it's a terrible formula in all honesty with a terrible quarterback and then an offensive coordinator who's not helping out the offense. Like, it feels like there's a big schematic issue from based on how I watch the game, but when Zach Wilson puts up 263 yards, when he's actually completing the ball well and having a good game, the offense is still not good. So that makes me wonder, okay, maybe Zach Wilson's not the big problem, even though the media loves to talk about how bad Zach Wilson is. Maybe he's not completely the problem, because even when he has a good game, the team and offense still can't even put up a touchdown, so... That's that's how it feels like for me. Because when you the product that you see on the field, right, is 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 not getting the job done. It's very easy. He's been one of the hev- most heavily criticized quarterbacks, and rightfully so. He's he's been objectively disappointing this season. But even with a little more depth, if you look at it a little more closely, for instance, I was reading after that game, the Jets had 
26 dropbacks in the first half and just like 10 of them were runs. So it's like you've seen this Jets team this year get hurt by Zach Wilson getting too pass happy. He's not someone who you can put too much trust in through the air. On what planet does that kind of offensive scheme seem like a good idea? I understand that the Chargers defense has been a spotty one, has been one that has given up a lot of yards this year, a lot of points and a lot of yards. But we've now we're now nine games in. It's we're past the point of it's early. We're getting a feel. Aaron Rodgers got hurt in Week One. All right, we saw two plays. We saw three plays of Aaron Rodgers in a, in a Jets uniform. This has been Zach Wilson's season from the jump, and we've we we really other than a few decent games. And that's the thing that's frustrating me with Zach Wilson is like I've I rooted for this kid to do well. But even some of his best performances this season were more propped up as like he didn't suck tonight than he had an excellent game tonight. That's the sort of precedent that's been set for this Jets offense. It's not it's not a matter of succeeding, it's a matter of not being run straight out of the stadium. And that's not the standard you want that's not the standard that anyone wants and that's not the standard that you should have with a quarterback like Zach Wilson and it's it's so frustrating because the stat lines don't suck they don't they also don't tell the whole story and they don't speak for at the end of the day you're there to win football games the Jets aren't doing that consistently you can't rely on that but then again you look it's hard because you keep going back and forth you look at the stat line looks fine you look at the result it's not fine and so I think that there there's a mismatch. That's what's very clear. And it's not that everyone sucks, everything sucks, everything's screwed up, kind of like how the Giants are. There's a mismatch. So either some something needs to change. Either Hackett's gone, someone else is in there to help Wilson, to support Wilson. I don't think the problem's the receiver's. Because they're they're fine. They're not amazing, but they're a, they're a fine group of guys. They're a solid group of guys. So I really don't know. It's it's a real head scratcher that isn't very clear what the the personnel problem or what the tangible problem is that we at WFUV Sports have access to. I mean, they just they lack a lot of consistency. I feel like the Jets are heavily reliant on a on a you know a Brees Hall breakoff run that picks up a ton of yards or one deep ball to Garrett Wilson that changes the trajectory of a drive. It always feels like they are only enabled to succeed by one crazy play or one momentum-shifting play, and you can't rely on that, especially you're, this isn't a talent enough, talented enough roster to rely on that kind of offense. Yeah, no, and that's the one thing that maybe that's what they banked on with having Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, mm. to make the big plays and scramble out of the pocket, make a throw on the run, but... This is week 10 now, and he's been injured since week one. So right. the team has to make an adjustment to whatever their initial scheme was throughout the throughout the offseason. Like, the team that they, the, the scheme that they had going into week one should not be the same scheme that they're having in week 10 because mm-hmm. it's a different quarterback. And it's overall just a different team because they need to operate differently with Zach Wilson rather than Aaron Rodgers. And that's where I just feel like the problem is, like you mentioned, the mismatch where maybe, maybe this offense would work with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. But you need to make an offense that works for Zach Wilson and that props him up to succeed because what he's doing right now, sure, he's playing okay, but the scheme that's in place is not allowing the team to succeed with him as the quarterback. And I think 
you know, there's been several teams that have been the topic of discussion this season for how much of a letdown they've been. But what I think is unique to the Jets, and it's kind of how I opened this segment up, is that I have never seen such... Well, I, I'm sure it has occurred, but it has never been as, as present to me and as shown to me as the Jets in this situation where I've never seen such a strongly performing defense so wasted. I mean, you can maybe argue last year's Broncos team that was for a good portion of the year, like one of the better defenses in the NFL and couldn't couldn't score. Maybe. But like this has been an elite defense that has had to play against difficult teams. They got their first the Jets got their first win over the Eagles in their existence this season. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, thanks for that one. Um and it was a big part in thanks to their defense. Their defense, even in games where, again, they have multiple games this year that they should have won because the it's simply because the offense didn't show up. And that's what makes it more frustrating, I think, watching the Jets in comparison to watching the Giants. We sat here looking around at each other, like trying to figure out what isn't going wrong for the Giants. Everything sucks for the Giants. They don't know where. The Giants don't even know what's best for the Giants right now. But with the Jets, you're continuously watching an all-pro defense walk out there every weekend, bust their ass for 60 minutes, and just have nothing to show for it because their offense is inept. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what has to change. But it, it's clear the 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 problem is that is right in front of them. There's there's no different angles to take this from. It, it's they literally can't score points. There's not an excuse. There's not an injury excuse. There's not a wrong signing excuse. Wilson's been in the league for three years, right? That it's it's too late for that. There's not. I'm I'm a, I'm actually kind of speechless. Like I don't know what to say. The inconsistencies there. We all know that it's all very obvious. How to mend said inconsistencies? You got me stumped. I'm I'm and I'm not I'm not you know inside the the Jets practice week in week out but I wonder what they I would wonder what they have to say about that I wonder what they honestly think now are they telling the media this no of course not but it it really is a mystery what the problem what what the what the problem is and what what can solve it what can tangibly solve it what personnel can solve it I don't know well that's the problem that I think both New York teams have uh right now, I guess, is that their problems, I, I I believe neither the Jets nor the Giants have problems that can be solved within the 17 weeks of the season. I don't think either yeah. of them do. Agree. You're stuck with, you're stuck with Zach Wilson un, unless you miraculously get, miraculously get Rodgers back, which I don't see happening. It could happen, but I'm not going to put the mortgage on it. So it's like both of these teams have talented rosters who can play good football but don't and there's reasons there there are obvious reasons for both teams and none of which can be figured out or touched upon or solved well they can be touched upon but they can't be solved or truly eradicated within the 17 weeks of this NFL season this year and that's frustrating it's hard to watch for both those teams and god bless their fan bases because I I, it, it honestly takes it takes it takes some serious guts at this point to even sit in front of your TV and waste your weekend watching either of these teams. But 
I think that's going to do it for New York football because that was a very dismal time to talk about. I mean, the dismal time for two dismally performing teams. And the New York Jets are only third in the AFC East. Like that's, I'll, I'll hop back into it one more time. They're in a bad division. Like th- This Jets situation is so much more frustrating than the Giants because the Jets are not even in what you would call a good division this year. And even the division's good teams, even the Bills, are not the Bills team that they were the last, last year and the year prior. The Dolphins, I think, I think are the best in the in the division if I'm if I'm being honest but even the Dolphins have shown that they are a beatable team all the Jets have to do is just be competent that's it they have the de- they have the defense to con- to they beat the Bills in week 1 with with Zach Wilson so it's like they have the ability to beat these teams they 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 just are they are simply inept and it's so so frustrating but Honestly, the crazy thing is that the season is still up in the air for the Jets at this point. Nothing is honestly set in stone yet, so we'll just have to see how the next few weeks go from here. We'll see if they work out the kinks or not. They have a Sunday night date on the road in Las Vegas against the Raiders. The Raiders get New York teams back-to-back weekend, so that should be should be a good game, honestly. But we're going to move on from this segment. We're going to finish this episode off with a fun little thing I love to bring every time we I host one of these episodes and that is lock of the week and dog of the week so all three of us on the cast before coming here today looked at this weekend's slate of football games in the nfl and we have decided who is a lock what favorite team would you put a considerable amount of money on although we are not liable for any financial damages should you actually follow through with these bets just want to put that out there please don't put your house on any of these games and then come crying to us if you know there's a choke um but lock of the week caleb we will start with you who is a sure set win this weekend in the nfl a combination of them having a chip on their shoulder from last week who they're playing who they got it's the Dallas Cowboys over the New York Giants. We know that. That's obvious. I would be shocked if it's a close game. I would be even more shocked if the Giants emerge victorious. It's in Texas. Obviously, the Cowboys were so close yet so far from winning last week in Philly. And, you know, they're more motivated than ever to have a little practice in Dallas against the Giants. Yeah, I want to say I want to say the Cowboys Giants, but I I wanted to go a little more fun, a little bit more risky. I decided to go with Seahawks over the Commanders. I, I like think, that. I think Commanders with them pretty much selling off their team. Seahawks are right in the mix in the NFC West. They need a big win because right now they are tied with the 49ers in the top of the standings. I think they're going to come out firing against the Commanders. I I like both of those picks. I like I like getting on the riskier side a little bit. I appreciate that. I'm taking the Bills Monday night over the Broncos. I don't see how that's any bit of a, a competitive game. I I have not seen anything from the Broncos this year that, you know, points towards them competing with the Bills on the road in a primetime game. Not to mention coming off a tough loss in a winnable game against Cincinnati this past weekend. Um I I, I, I think that's another chip on their shoulder type game that um the Bills will emerge victorious and I think will get a pretty powerful you know decisive victory that'll that'll you know give them a little kick in the rump for the rest of the season and get them on the right track now let's go to dogs of the week Caleb what team is statistically or or by lines by by Vegas by terms of Vegas 
an underdog this weekend, but you think will pull off the dub. In terms of Vegas, Chargers beating the Lions. I'm 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 taking that. I'm taking that. Vegas has Lions. Steiner's got Chargers. Who are you riding with? You're riding with Stein, you're riding with Vegas. I think you ride with Stein here. <laughs> Keenan Allen's been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. We know that. Right. And last week was a low point for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna bounce back. I think he's gonna put up the the numbers that he had. What was it, like week four, week five, where he went off? Mm. I'm not a Jared Goff guy. Never have been. I don't love him. I don't think he's that good. I think Eckler, Josh Kelly, obviously they bring support if Allen has another off week. But that's why I like like the Chargers against the Lions this week. And I have the Jaguars over the 49ers. I just think... uh, Jaguars are playing at home. 49ers are favored in the game. 49ers have lost three games straight. Obviously, they made the big move with the trade on the defense, but I don't know. I just have a lot of question marks with the 49ers team since they've lost three straight games. Like They are coming off the bye week. We'll see if they'll be able to figure those problems out, but the Jaguars are 6-2 and two right now and have been a very quiet leader in the league this year, and I think, I think people are going to see that this week against the 49ers, against the big team. I like both those picks. I'm going to take my own team here, which is interesting because I haven't had a lot of faith in them up until this point. I'm going to take the New England Patriots, who are one-and-a-half-point dogs against the Colts in Germany this weekend. It's it's Germany, right, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, that's what what the international games have been. So in Germany this weekend, I think the defense for New England has honestly been, like, okay. It's kept them in games. It's been sustainable. I think – the, the Patriots have suffered from a very similar issue that both of the New York teams that we talked about just now in the sense that they can't score if their lives lives depended on it. Um, but, Caleb, you mentioned a great point before the show, and that is it seems like whether it's an adjustment to going overseas, time zones, jet lag, I don't know what, it seems like there's never super high-scoring international games and there's also never really blowout international games either. They tend to be generally close. Um, they're never really blowouts. There's there haven't been they haven't all been great games, but I don't think there's been any true blowouts, especially against there were some matchups that I expected there to be some blowouts and it did not occur. So I'm gonna take the Patriots. I'm gonna be a hopeful little fake Bostonian and hope that the Patriots emerge and beat the one-and-a-half-point dog status that they currently hold entering that game. But, folks, that'll just about do it for this week's installment of NFL Friday, WFUV Sports' main football podcast. Check in with us next week as we will break down all things that happen in Jets and Giants in Week 10 and preview some big stories for Week 11. For Matt Benson and Caleb Stein, I'm Jack Warner saying so long. Mm-hmm.